So it's good to meet um, around this table. Uh, we come because we're invited. Uh, we haven't earned it. It's a gift uh, of, uh, of Jesus who says, uh, the word says he came and died for me and died for you. There's a reason for that, uh, because someone had to, and he says it can be him. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be me or you. Uh, but um, it's great that we can bear his name, call ourselves Christians, and live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And we want to focus on this community. I'm going to read um, just from 1 Corinthians uh, 11, which is a passage we often read at communion, but then we're going to talk about it and really remember it. Uh, So words of Paul when he's describing uh, what went on. He said in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, I've got children, and I've got two children, and uh, we love them very much, but they don't always do as they're told. And when they were younger... um, you know, you think about being a parent, and you pretty much, uh, from birth, you pretty much do everything for them, don't you? I mean, really, really everything. And then they get a bit older, and you don't have to quite do so much for them. Uh, they learn to do some things for themselves. And, and now, even now, one's 22 and one's 19, we try and help them as much as we can. We give advice, but they're both old enough to really make their own decisions, and we give them advice. Sometimes we can see the mistakes they're going to make. We still seem to be giving them lifts, even though they both drive. Um, Andrew still cooks them dinners, breakfasts, and in my son's case, about five meals in between. He eats like a horse. Um, So we try and do the best for them. And every now and again, there might be a request that moves the other way, like, Harry, Kayleigh, do you think you could empty the dishwasher? And you get, what? I don't want to do that. Oh, what about Harry? Or what about Kay? And you think, well, we've done lifts. We've put petrol in your cars. We've, done, we've run around. We've given you advice. We've, you know, all these things. We just ask, remember what we've done for you. And you can do this little thing uh, back for us. What about all the things we've done for you? One day you will understand. And Jesus, in, in this passage, Paul says uh, about communion, do this in remembrance of me. You know, in the same way kids can forget all the good stuff you do. I don't think they really do. I think they're just, they're just bargaining with us. But we can gloss over this. We can treat it maybe, dare I say, sometimes glibly. We can sometimes just fit it into a service. And Jesus says, look what I've done for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's like he knows we need reminding. Easy to gloss over. And I want to talk tonight, and I know we kind of know what it means, but I just want to go a little bit deeper to think about the sacrifice that Jesus chose to make, the sacrifice of himself. And of course, we see that at the cross, but there's also sacrifice that came before that. And the sacrifice that came before that was he was in communion with God the Trinity, perfect relationship, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he chose to become like us. That was a sacrifice you know, he could have had it easy and been in perfect relationship, but there were times when he was cut off from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That moment on the cross when he's bearing your sin and mine. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we need to think about that sacrifice of, of Jesus for you, for you personally. And you read the Old, Testaments and, uh, Old Testament and its rules and regulations, particularly at the moment in my devotionals, we're going through Leviticus, 
Now, I don't want to dishonor any book in the Word of God, but it's hard going. But what it, I thought, what are you teaching me through this, God? Because there's all sorts of rituals and exact things that have to be done on a daily basis. All sorts of different sacrifices for different things. People being put out of the, of the like, the, you know, what we'd say now, the circle of trust. Put them outside the, the, uh, the, the, the city walls and put them, you know, they can't come into the temple so many days after certain things until they're purified. There's loads of stuff going on. Every day the priest is sacrificing something for someone and there's loads of it going on. Uh, so it's hard, but I was praying. I said, well, God, what are you teaching me? And, and in it, it came back. It says, look what you don't have to do now that Jesus has done this for you. In light of, of all those things, when I read those things, you have a look back in, in, in some of those books. In light of all of that, when you look at the exactness and the things that had to be done to purify the people, think about this evening, the sacrifice that Jesus has done that ends all of those. Hebrews 10, 11 and 12 says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice. It's like the writer of Hebrews already saying, how boring was that? How, how mundane was that? How legalistic was it? Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices. And of course it says, which can never take away sins. And then when he talks about Jesus in verse 12, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So the religious leaders at the time, the priest is standing up every day, day after day. He, he must, I mean, he must, they must have had a, a really busy ministry. So they're having to offer these sacrifices every day in a certain way, very meticulous. Day after day, they're standing. But when this high priest... Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice, he sat down. Because we know at the cross he said, it is finished. The sacrifice has been made and things changed. We know there was earthquakes, there was a curtain torn in two. The, the, the sky darkened, so people shouting, surely this is the Son of God. They finally get it right at that last moment. And all of history is turned on its axis and it's still, he is still the name above all names. He is still 2,000 years after people are trying to squash that name and they never will. It's still the name that gets attacked more than any other religious leader. And it's the one that's been allowed to be attacked, whereas the others we can't. Why is that? Because the enemy knows this is the truth. And what did it take for him to actually go through this? This is, this is, this is where he really identifies with us. When I look at myself... I said this before, I think, look at myself, how can I be saved? And when I look at the cross, I think, how can I not be? Because he's a great saviour. And what did it take? It, it took, and we read this passage this morning, we're going to just work through it a little bit, from Philippians 2. He became like you and me. He got down into the mess and the dirt and the grime. And, he, and the world is, 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 was in a mess and still is in some ways, and God enters into it. It says in Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being found in human likeness, he becomes like us. Being found in appearance as a man. Do you know what that means? It means, for me and for you, he knows you. He identifies with you, whatever you're going through. He understands you. He is with you. He knows your sin, he takes your sin, 
He deals with your sin and he is with you. He knows your struggles, he knows your joys and he says you can overcome them because he is with you. And he came to rescue you. He became nothing. And as the song says, poured out to death to give you the gift of life. Life which humankind at the moment seems to be taking for granted. Life that's a life worth living. Life in all its fullness, which is a relationship with God. He came to rescue you. What did he do as Philippians 2 carries on in verse uh, he humbled himself. He humbles himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we know that he wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours. He chose the cross for you. And so tonight, when we meet around this table, we, we need to look at the cross. You know, it's symbolic, isn't it? That's not the cross. It's a cross. Uh, Christians wear crosses around their neck. You know, which is a bit odd, I find. Because, I mean, I, I've, I've got a cross and I would wear it. Uh, but really, it's, it's, you know, we don't wear electric chairs around our neck, which is another form of execution. Or drugs that might be injected into someone because it's a form of execution. Yet the cross was a form of execution. And yet Christians wear, wear a cross with pride but it was a form of execution. And the cross is central, isn't it, to the Christian faith. In the Anglican church, if you go up in an aeroplane, you look down, most of the, especially the older ones, are built in the shape of the cross when you look down. The cross is central. What, what other religion takes the, the, the way that they thought they killed their leader and uses it as their symbol? But we can do that because Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. He defeated death. He took our sin. And so therefore the cross is a celebration for us. Because of the resurrection, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks' time, it's a celebration. It wasn't left there. He died. Of course he did. Paid for our sin, paid for yours. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But that wasn't the end of it. He defeated death and he defeated Satan. So when tonight we focus on the cross where he died for you, we've got to be humbled by the mercy that he's shown us. All the things he went through, leaving the comfort of the Trinity, becoming like you and me, taking effectively our character, our sin, on the cross with him, dying and putting an end to the penalty for your sin. We've got to be humble because that is mercy that he's given us. And we remember at communion exactly that. And he says, do this in remembrance of me because it costs so much. And the only thing we can do is take the bread Take the wine and thank him for what he's done. And to put him in his rightful place, which is at the end of this passage, Philippians happens in verses 9 to 11. Therefore, because of what he'd done, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. In the Bible, even the demons knew who he was. One day, the Christians and the non-Christians will have to say who he is. Every knee should bow in heaven and earth under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day will come. All things will be made new. 
they'll all be laid bare. And we're going to be, we confess him now as, as our Lord and Saviour, but everybody will have to confess who he is. And of course, we've got to make sure as many people as possible can make their decisions. That's why we need to pray for Roger's friend and, and in the pub. And I'm here to help, by the way, if it's in a pub, I'll come along. No. <laughs> um, we need to pray for that. We need to pray for young Jack, uh, because I know that the other part of that story is it just so happened that Sunday that Charlotte really felt led to um, offer a commitment chance. And Jack was one of the people who said, I want to trust Jesus with my life. You know, this is where the rubber hits the road. When we meet with Charlotte on here and have a, a little chat and everything earlier today, it's lovely. But, you know, for all the policies we've got, for all the trustees we've got and elders and church members and everything else, behind it there's, there's, there's ministry, there's, there's things happening that God is moving. Whether it's a conversation in the pub or a leaflet given out, just happened to have why Jesus in your pocket, whatever. You know, they're God moments. And we've got to lead people to the cross. You know, and then once they get a, a, an idea of who they are without Christ, they then can become all they can be in Christ. God exalted him to the highest place. One day they will all bow the knee and they will all confess who he is. But hopefully it's not too late. That day will come. But for now, for us, we receive, you receive mercy and grace. And all we can say tonight is thank you for the cross. And we praise him because he's given his life for you. And so therefore, you pour your life out for him. Because his sacrifice was so much more than anything the world can throw at us. And, and it's not always easy. And there are things we don't get or understand. And there's ill health. And some of the prayers don't get answered the way we want them to. We hear the stories. It's great. But we've got to be able to say that because of what he's done for me, I offer my life back to him. And I live for him now. It's not about me anymore. And there are challenges in life. And we have to say, because of Christ, I can meet them head on. Head on. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Look at the sacrifice. Look at the mercy. Look at the grace. And when I do all of that, when I look at all those things we meet around this table, my response is, I give you my all. You've got, you've got everything. And sometimes that's not easy, and sometimes that takes sacrifice on your part and on my part. But look what he's done. Do this in remembrance of me. If we really grasp that, nothing is too hard for him. Nothing. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to lead us around the communion table. We thank you, Lord, for the bread and the wine and what they represent, your body and blood. We thank you, Lord, the body given for us, the blood shed for us. We thank you, Lord, that the blood represents the new covenant, the new life of freedom that we have, where we choose to say, I follow you. I want to be a disciple of you. I want to give everything I have back to you and just see what you'll do with my life. But as we come to this table, Lord, we know that we come with our own sin and wrongdoings. Equally, we know that the Bible says you've, you've been tempted in every way. So you do identify with us. But the difference is you didn't sin. And we have. But we know you've took that sin on the cross and, and paid for it. But we do want to bring things before you tonight, before we take the bread and the wine, to honour you, to remember that actually it cost you, and there's things we need to be bring before you. So in this quiet time, we do that now. We thank you, Lord, you hear all our prayers, and we thank you. Christine said earlier, the Lord is here. 
We're not to be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition, present our requests to you. We pray, Lord, for that peace, whatever's going on that surpasses understanding. And we pray, Lord, we thank you so much for the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, it was given and shed for us. As we take the bread, help us to remember, like you asked us to, exactly what that means. As we drink the wine, to recognise we're part of the new covenant. That there is no condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus. That the religious priests don't have to stand up day after day giving their offerings because you, our great high priest, have done it and have said it is finished. So as we take the bread, Lord, bless it to our bodies and the wine. Nourish us spiritually, physically. Pray for healing where healing's needed, where it's physical, emotional, mentally. Pray, Lord, again, you'd pour out your spirit among your people. In Jesus' name, amen.